Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Happy Friday, really happy Friday. I hope you're doing very well. You are relaxing, reading, and taking care of yourself. You know, self-care is the most important part of our lives. You have to take care of yourself. So much going on across the world distractions, climate change, summits coming very soon, people doing in and out things. But please take care of yourself. Our season five continues with the team discovering your purpose. You know, I am so honored to have had wonderful human beings who came to share their life journeys, their stories. It is truly humbling, really humbling. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for all the feedback, the comments, your time, social media sharing we are so grateful at i am the code we are absolutely grateful. for me personally i'm grateful to have you listening to the podcast especially the kakuma girls and the girls in south africa all the girls in fact are now listening to the i am the code podcast so thank you so much everyone thank you you know who you are so thank you one of the thing i was thinking the other day is that when you support i am the code you are elevating young women and girls globally. Our girls are doing great. They're doing great, but they could do even better if they have connectivity, infrastructure, content. Life is very tough for our girls in Afghanistan, for example. Let's do more for young women and girls. And the more you support I Am The Code, the more we elevate them. And I really do mean this. Come and mentor the girls. We need your support. A few weeks ago, actually last week, Edwina Doon joined us to celebrate the Day of the Girl. She's someone I really admire for the work she has done in the United Kingdom. Edwina is an OBE. She was recognized by the Queen here. She's an English entrepreneur in the field of data science and customer-centric business strategy. You may not know this, but she's one of the pioneers behind the Tesco Club Card. If you don't know Tesco, it's a supermarket in the United Kingdom. Her and her husband were responsible for launching it. It's really amazing. And it was the first mass customization loyalty program in the world. Can you imagine? I love women pioneers. And this actually resulted for the supermarket to double its market share in less than three years. I love when women come up with ideas and pioneer them and make it work. Women rule the world. <laughs> Edwina is really a pioneer. I love her so much. You know, she is now running a data science consultancy called Start Count alongside her husband, Clive Humby. It's really beautiful. Her and I share our love of data. I think I am data. When you don't understand where data is coming from, information, we can't make changes. We can't change policies. There are missing millions, millions of people right now who have no idea where the data is going, who's using it. So I just love her work for that. And I really hope you enjoy our conversation because it was really data focused. But at the same time, I've learned so much from Edwina. Really, really, a truly amazing lady. It was such an honor to have her on the podcast. Enjoy our conversation and I will see you on the other side. Dem Edwina, how are you doing? Lady Mariam, I'm so pleased to be with you. It's a delight to talk and to share the things that I've learned through my life and my journey. Oh, we are so honored to have you. Thank you so much. You know, I always say to people, why invite them on the podcast? We're very special. This month is a very special month for us. It's Black History Month. But I think I've been following you for a very long time. And let me tell you why we invited you on the podcast. There are two things you've done. You may not know about this, but I just want to say it for the boys and girls listening to us all across the world. I think the first thing is you are a pioneer. You're really an amazing woman. I've seen the work you've done on diversity, in inclusion, on data. We're going to talk about that shortly, in helping people of color. It's really, really amazing the work you have done. And also the, the other thing, you and I had the privilege to sit on a panel during COVID, an event. And I think it was so beautiful for me personally, as an African woman from Senegal, to sit with pioneers like you who have done so much for the United Kingdom. And I, I just want to say 
thank you so much for everything you have done for us and but also for women in tech. Thank you so much for joining the I'm the Code podcast and thank you for being here. Wow, that's so warm and lovely. Thank you very much. It's it's really a joy to be part of your network and to be talking to these boys and girls across the world. That is my focus. That is why I come to work and do what I do. No, we, we absolutely adore you. We're going to go a little bit in your work shortly, but you have been very, very busy with COVID-19. What has the pandemic taught you? And can you share that with the boys and girls listening to you right now? Well, I think it's been hard on everyone. I think we've all felt more vulnerable, more anxious, and more aware of what life means to us, what we stand for and what counts, what legacy we leave behind. I think we've all turned to that rather darker side of life, which is what's it all about. And I think for me, bringing the campaign, the female lead, to my audience, to our audiences across the world, is really about providing good, positive, uplifting content at a Mm. time where I think we've all just felt really down and Mm -hmm. worried. And I think it's been special for us because they're stories we should have heard all the way through our life, but we haven't. We don't hear stories of incredible women. And and I think it makes us all feel better when we realise that there are good things happening out there all the time. And that's what I want to celebrate, to remind us in all this difficulty, in all this pain and worry, there are great things happening and we have to hold on Mm. to them and celebrate them. No, no, absolutely. I mean, you are a remarkable role model to all of us anyway. So the fact that you are giving all the women a platform to be seen is just wonderful. Honestly, I have a lot of respect for you. But, you know, I've read so much about you. And as I said earlier, I've been following your work and we'll go into details about that. But can you tell the young girls in the generation who's listening to you right now, where has everything begun for you? Where did you go to school and where did you grow up? Well, I had quite an exciting early life. My parents, when they got married, went to live in Brazil. My father was an engineer and he went to build power stations out in Brazil. Oh, way back in the, oh gosh, I can't even say it, the 50s and 60s, (laughs) so long ago. And they were really excited to be there. I mean, it was Rio de Janeiro at a time where it was still, you got there by boat, by ship liner, and it took weeks. And my brother and sister and I were born at that time, although to my absolute disappointment, I was born on leave in England when they came back for a holiday. And my brother and sister were both born in Rio de Janeiro. So I was quite disappointed that I didn't have that sort of excitement and glamour on my passport. (laughs) Anyway. From Brazil. (laughs) I would have loved that. It would have made me much more interesting, I think. But, (laughs) you know, we came back to the UK and I lived in a little village called Cranley for a while. And then when I was older, I went to a school called Surbiton High School. And it was a really good school. It was an all-girls school. I was very lucky. I met some lifelong friends there. And it was a good school, but I wasn't a great student, Lady Marianne. Can I share that with you? (laughs) They're listening to you right now. (laughs) No, And do you know what? I got lucky because even though I was a little bit lazy at school I didn't realize how important it was and how exciting it could be and I wished I'd known then for me all the excitement of what life and work meant happened for me when I started work it wasn't so much through school and university I did go and I kind of I kind of scraped through and I did all right. But when I started work, that's when all the lights went on and I suddenly thought, wow, I love work. I love doing things that matter, things that count. And I just, 
I got a fantastic job. I grew up at a time where if you were a graduate, Mm -hmm. you were offered four or five jobs right from the beginning. In the UK, right? In the UK, yeah. And literally I, I had my choice and I joined this American company Mm -hmm. who were really entrepreneurial. I didn't know it at the time. And I landed on my feet. It was a very, very small part of it in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I walked in on my first day of work and I saw the man who was actually to become my husband. And I saw him on that first day and I thought he was lovely. And something just sparked and I thought I'm gonna love this I'm gonna love everything about it and actually I married him a year later I think it was an amazing man I've read about him yeah Yeah. he's amazing yeah really awesome really awesome man but you know the the other thing I was reading you both are pioneers actually I've read so much about you but you are so admired by the business community in the UK for all the pioneering work you've done it's really I can see your creative side maybe at school you were actually more creative (laughs) I can see that side of you (laughs) I do remember once getting into trouble because I painted my hands rather than the paper and I remember the teacher saying this is really bad this is really naughty Edwina and I thought but it feels really nice. And Mm. I remember being confused at the time because I don't think I've ever quite understood Mm -hmm. all the rules that we apply in different environments. So I think for me, a pioneer is someone who doesn't study or follow the rules too carefully. I'm not suggesting you break them, but you go round them. You know, you kind of adapt. And I think that is what a pioneer is. You see where you want to go to and you think, how can I get there? Because I can't get there straight. I have to go round. Absolutely. I think that's what I liked about you is that when I was reading, but not only you are a pioneer in the data industry. I mean, many people don't know about this. I love this about you. I mean, like, oh my God, I'm I'm a data person. I said, it's such an honor to speak to Edwina. It's really amazing. But also, I just wanted to find out with everything you just talk about pioneering things, because you feel that somebody who's not breaking the rules is somebody who can see something that the other people are not seeing. You have seen things that many people have not seen in the UK. But when you think about the pandemic, how did you motivate yourself, you know, with your husband working from home, helping us and helping women? How did you do that? It's quite it's quite remarkable to, to know. It's such a deep searching question. How did I motivate myself? I love what I do. I love seeing things in data. I find people and their differences incredibly fascinating. I mean, I once tried to write a film. I thought that's what I want to do. It's incredibly difficult to make something up. What Mm. I find amazing is that the truth is more fascinating than Mm. fiction. And I suppose what motivates me is the fact that we are all so different. The reason I love talking about diversity is for me diversity is at the heart of everything I've ever done because I started off using data to show that consumers are different Mm -hmm. you know they don't all want the same thing people don't always want the cheapest product they want the product that they love and they want it at a time and a convenience that they respect And so those differences are really, really interesting. You see that if you cross over into the stories of women, they're not all the same. And for them, happiness and fulfillment isn't the same thing. Not at all. I mean, for some women, they want to help and save and protect. And for others, they want to be the highest achievers, the winners, the goal scorers, or the sports heroes. And so those differences are what interest me. So when I feel, I suppose, me and alone, I look to others and find their lives and their differences endlessly fascinating. 
And that's what excites me and interests me. I know, I can see that. But also I feel, you know, the dots. This is why I feel in my heart that I really admire and understand what you're trying to do because you understand the dots. Every single dot is connected. But maybe because you are a data person, I'm a data person too, I can see, you understand the variables. You understand that a Senegalese woman is different to the to a British mm-hmm. woman, but maybe they want the same thing. And I, I love that about your work. It's really, really fascinating. It, it's really, it really amazes me, honestly. But what you've just described there mm-hmm. is a statistical technique mm-hmm. because what you've described, so when you do something called cluster analysis mm-hmm. using data and mathematics, you're trying to find the data points that are most similar. So if you like the people who are most similar, and then when you create a group, you're looking for a group that is distinct and different from another group. And so you're trying to find the differences, but also the commonalities. And so what you've just described is a perfect explanation of a really powerful mathematical statistical technique, which has been at the heart of all the work I've always done. I know. That's why I love you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much, you know, because I said, I understand what she's trying to do. But the other thing I was reading as well is that I realized the other day, I said, oh my God, I'm so lucky to actually have met a data, somebody who understands data. And I realized that you pioneered the Tesco Club Card in all the global loyalty programs. It's really amazing. What advice do you have for women who want to get into this industry or any career guidance you want to give to young women? Because I can see you are an intelligent, smart, analytical person, but there are so many women out there maybe who are not thinking at being becoming data analysts or, you know, looking into AI and things like that. Anything we can do to help them and and maybe open their mind a little bit? Well, I feel that what I'm going to suggest now may, in some people's eyes, feel like I'm reducing the role of women. And I absolutely would never, ever do that. But the lesson that I've learned is that I think there is massive strength in what I call the power of two. So for me, Real breakthrough success comes when you find that you can share a skill or a passion with someone else who's your exact opposite. So everything that you're not. And the reason I think it works is that two people who are opposites are much greater than two people. They become three. It's that idea of the sum is greater than the individual parts. Two people who are opposites can forge a business and a line of innovation, which really is quite formidable and quite original because you kind of vie with each other. You kind of bounce off each other. Mm. You think differently, you stretch, you learn. And it's also, it's more fun doing it as a two because leading is very, very lonely. And sometimes I think it becomes too painful to be alone, always questioned, always channeled, always told it's not going to work, you're not going to be successful. But when you're with someone who is your opposite, you can kind of go, we're going to do it, aren't we? I think most of my motivation actually Mm -hmm. came from the fact that people would say to me, what? What are you doing? Why? What does it mean? (laughs) You know, most of the time people could not understand what we were doing or why we were doing it. And so it's lonely, you know, Mm. that's the path. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you hold your faith and really stick to what you believe in, and you have that kind of comradeship, with someone else. It it doesn't have to be a life partner. It can be just a business partner who's your opposite. Somebody to have a conversation with. Sometimes you need someone to check, right? Exactly. And it just makes it more fun. And I think that is the thing that I put a lot of my success down to is I found a fantastic partner who always told me, Of course you can. Of course you're great. Of course this is a good idea. And actually, the more someone tells you this, the more you surround yourself, even if it's just one person 
who mm-hmm. tells you you're great, you can do it, no matter how many other people around you are saying, what are you doing? What, mm-hmm. what does this mean? You believe it. No, absolutely. It's so important what you just said, because we have young boys and girls, even in the UK, listening to this podcast now in Liverpool and Manchester, everywhere. It's fascinating what you just said. I really hope what you said will motivate them. But when you think about it very carefully, this sort of thought leadership you have, and like I said, I have a lot of love and respect for you because I know you've done something for the world and for the United Kingdom. But now we have these young women and girls growing up in marginalized communities in the UK, in council estates. It's very difficult for them. What can we do for them? What can we do for these people? Do we need to invest more in STEM subjects? What do we need to do? Because people are struggling quite a lot, Edwina, right? Yeah, I'm so sad to hear that. I find that particularly girls are very good at maths and science and give it up too early, much too early. So they'll go to... GCSE level, which is, you know, expected and mandated across schools. And then for some terrible reason, we'll give up thinking that they're not very good at it when it comes to A-levels. And actually, the evidence is that women, girls get at least as good, if not better results in those maths and sciences, those STEM subjects. And actually, when they go on to take them, I can prove, I have data and evidence that anybody who does a maths or science subject with whatever other subjects goes on to a better career, a higher paid career, Mm -hmm. one that allows them to travel more. And so these are the better jobs, the growing jobs. So Girls, please do not give up STEM subjects. You are as good, if not better, than the boys. Don't let them tell you, (laughs) you know, maths and science is not for you. And do you want to hang out with geeks in laboratories? That's not the future. The future is you're going to be writing apps. You're going to be doing some of the most brilliant films, CGI, technology. It's where the future is mix it up, stick to the maths and sciences. That's really an amazing advice. The other thing I'm really proud of about you is that you sit at the heart of government and you do advise government. You're a commissioner. It's like, you know what? It's really good to have the right people in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yes, 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 she's in the room. Because sometimes, you know, when you talk about STEM and data and all of these people think we're talking about something different, but it's really amazing. I was so happy that you are a commissioner and helping the government. It's really fascinating. But let me come back a little bit to... Your purpose, because you don't like talking about yourself that much, which I also love. You're a very humble person and you just get on with the work. You're a philanthropist. You're helping so many people and female lead is just, I love female lead. But if you think about it very carefully, how do you discover your purpose, right? Because I think you are a tech pioneer. You pioneer things. You've done things for us, the UK. But at what stage did you find your purpose and say, you know what? This is my purpose. I've discovered it. I'm just going to go for it. Do you mind sharing that with the girls? Because they, our team this season, the one I want to invite you in, the one you are in right now, is discovering your purpose. And we're going to celebrate Black History Month and really feature you because I think you're extraordinary. But is it any way you can share with the girls how to discover your purpose? Any tips you have for them? Well, again, a great and searching question. How do you discover your purpose? I think it can take time. And we all listen to other people who tell us, this is good, I loved this. We all love taking recommendations from friends or people that we respect and admire. But what we have to remember is they are not us. And however much we love or admire them, they are not the person that we are. And I think it's allowing yourself to breathe I think sometimes we fill every moment of the day and the night even looking at other people and what they're doing and their content. Social media can consume us with telling us what to think, what to know. I mean, I even get sucked into it sometimes and I find myself half an hour later thinking, what did I just do? Because you get consumed by it. You have to give yourself space, space silence. Sometimes you can name it boredom, but I don't see it as boredom. I see it as the time where you let 
thoughts come in spontaneously. Those thoughts that come in during silence are the ones that you should listen to. It's sort of asking yourself, what are you proud of? Not to speak to anybody else, not to tell anybody else, what am I proud of that I did last week or today or even last year? What do I want to be proud of moving forwards? And really listening to yourself because no one else can tell you that. And actually it's that honesty with yourself, that recognition of that moment made me feel that I am so worthwhile, important to myself, to my group, whatever it is, that is when you start to find your purpose. Because, you know, the amazing thing is what an individual finds easy is often what someone else finds difficult. We underrate, we underscore the things that we find easy and other people will look at us and say, but you're amazing at that. And you think, well, yeah, but it's just easy for me that bit. And then we will look at someone else's skill and say, I want to be like that. You can't be, you are you. And you have to recognize what you're good at and own it and own it with pride. I think the girls are so lucky that that's amazing. Absolutely. You have to own it and own it with pride. Girls, I think you're listening to that. Absolutely amazing. But you know, the other thing I really love is that I've been telling the girls, I love data, as you know, I love the fact that you love data too. I'm data. And I, I want to explain why, because when I was growing up as a child, I was statistic, you know, with the young women and girls, you see refugees, 80 million refugees. You see this data everywhere from the United Nations, all across the world. And data actually help us make decisions, policymakers across the world and things like that. But what I want to understand from you, especially you being respected in the data and industry in the UK, why does it matter to you? I think you touched it a little bit earlier, but would you mind just telling why data matters to you and how can we include the missing millions in decision-making processes? For example, girls' education, investment in girls and in women and girls to progress policies, for example. I really would like to hear your views on that because I know you have probably have the answer, but it'd be really good to know why data matters to you. Yes, thank you. Why does data matter? Well, to me, data matters because in a way, it's a sign of respect for every person and every voice. Every person and every voice is data. And when we hear someone's voice, when we see their story, it counts. And it's really hard to consume in that way. It's a bit like, you'll understand this, Lady Mariam. It's like you can't process free text. It's not easy. And so we have to categorize. We have to turn it into data that can be understood. So for me, the reason data is important is it becomes a universal language where you can take emotion maybe out of a story, but turn it into a fact that is undisputable. And actually, when you present facts to people and you are really open and clear and transparent, this is a fact. It's not an emotion. It's not a bias. It's a fact. Does that fact make you feel good or bad? Once you get that out there, discussed and agreed, then you can have change. For me, you can't solve a problem until you understand it. And for Mm. me, data helps you understand a problem. If girls are not getting education that they need, the opportunities that they need, the consequence is X and Y and Z. And Mm. once that's connected and explained, it becomes an opportunity to do things better. And yes, you still want the individual stories and the reality of it, but you have to sort of aggregate it up Mm -hmm. until it's data sitting on a decision maker's desk where it's irrefutable. 
No, absolutely. I love that about you. I mean, the other thing I was watching, you really always talk about measurement and monitoring and evaluation. I just love the things you talk about when you come to data, because, for example, the girls who are listening to you right now, they're refugees. They're refugees and they're part of the, you know, 81 million refugees across the world. Any decision we make affects them, basically. They're in a refugee camp right now listening to your voice. But if you think about it, they don't have birth certificates. They're under the custody of the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. It's really fascinating that they are missing millions. And I really hope that you and I can work together to include these voices. There are variables, as far as I'm concerned, into the data you are working with. That's why I love the work you do. But if you think about it now, how can we improve this data? I know you are, I want to talk about female lead shortly, but I know you care about these issues because, you know, I've seen you doing it. But what can we do to, for example, improve or the data and accountability for girls and women, you know, maybe through female lead? What can we do? Because we are really leaving people behind, in my opinion. Yeah, It breaks my heart to think of all those millions of refugees unseen and unheard. And I recently interviewed a film director, Sonia Nazari-Cole, who's created a film called I Am You. And I don't know whether you've seen it, but it is the story of an Afghan refugee. And I had the most interesting discussion and heard things that I'd never understood or heard before. And I think the obligation that I feel, the passion that I want to communicate is that it's only when you understand Mm -hmm. the story, the backdrop, the context, that you can actually relate to it and petition for change. And so for me, There's so much ignorance about what is a refugee. Why do people leave the country that they love? I mean, it must be heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking to suddenly be a nomad with no rights Mm -hmm. in a foreign world. And those stories open people's eyes. And so I think A lot of what you ask, what you're searching for, is really an education for people who don't understand it, who live in a protected, safe environment and and don't understand the context of of that, that huge move that is so disempowering and so the opposite of anything to do with freedom. I mean, it's scary. It is absolutely scary. You are right. But data really have got the answer because when you, for example, see, I'm very interested in young women and girls who are being trafficked right now in my country, in Senegal. I love the work you're doing. I've got so much love for you, Edwina. You have no idea. I love the work you're doing around census. I was reading the work you've been doing around census, the census data. Yeah. And just to tell you my story, I was not part of the Senegalese census data because my mother didn't, I didn't have a father. So I was not recognized as a Senegalese woman. And then so when my mother gave birth, my mother came from an aristocrat family, very well known in Senegal. And so she didn't declare us, me and my twin brother. And so for years and years and years, I didn't have birth certificate. That's why I'm interested in data. That's why I love the work you do. In the Senegalese census, I'm not part of it. And then so I went to see the government. I said, you know, what can we do to actually look into the birth certificates. You know, how can a young women and girls in, in Senegal can be recognized? And so tomorrow they can have a passport or ID. And it's fascinating because young women and girls are being trafficked because they don't have ID. They're not part of the census of their country. So when you take a girl from Senegal, no one can find her in the Senegalese national statistics system. It's fascinating. Oh my goodness, that is shocking. And this is why we're right now investing in data, national statistics in Africa, making sure people are counted for, right? When we say 80 million Senegalese, it's actually, we mean 80 million, not 70 million. So we have a lot of people missing out Mm. in the Senegalese system because we don't have the right data people in our countries. It's amazing. Wow, I didn't know that. It's a big issue. You're so right, because here we have the ONS, um, the Office of National Statistics. And that was, you're right, all my work started with the equivalent of that organisation when I was just starting my career. Because, of course, when you know how many and who 
Mm-hmm. And you have that data, you can then better plan schools and roads and hospitals and emergency services. So actually that data can underpin a country and an economy and becomes really powerful. If you misread it or misrepresent it, you can never get those resources or that planning Correct. And the example you've just given is even worse that somehow these young girls, these young women can be exploited. Absolutely. It's linked to the GDP of the country. I didn't know that. And I was looking at the yeah. Senegalese data, the national statistics. And when I was doing your research, I realized I said, I really love what Edwina is doing around the census data because actually yeah. here every 10 years we have the census data. But in Senegal, we, the missing people, because our fathers declared us as children, so we are missing in the census data of Africa. So in Senegal, for, for example, I can't be part of the Senegalese system because I'm not part of it. So it's really fascinating. I think one of the things I wanted to ask you is that now I love the fact that you understand the core. In my view, data is at the center of everything we do mm. across the world. It's really, really important. But how do you use your influence right now, for example, to make a difference, you know, when you sit in government, in the private sector. And can you just tell us a little bit what is female lead and and where you heading with it? Well, the female lead is really about telling the stories of women and providing, as you rightly say, the data, the importance of women in the economy. We're 51% of the world's population, 51. We are not a minority. Why we're talked about in this way is kind of slightly shocking. So the construct that we have worldwide is a particularly a business world that's been designed by men for Mm -hmm. men. Mm -hmm. And that means that women are in some ways excluded, but maybe even that men are kind of trapped by this old fashioned construct of what work looks like now. And so we want to use the data on women, which I am encouraging and collecting for the purpose of actually saying there are better ways to build the workplace. There are ways in which women can participate happily and constructively, and there are ways in which they can be excluded. And so what I'm trying to show is just like my work with consumers is that female employees are different. They're not all the same. You know, there isn't just one pattern that meets the needs of every woman. Some women go to work because they want to survive, they're breadwinners, they want to pay the bills. Some women go to work because they want to be acknowledged as experts or leaders or that their work is important. And some people go to work because that's where their friends are and they have fun and they enjoy themselves. So we need to construct a different sense of workplace that is Mm -hmm. good for the business and good for its people. And so that is the new work of the female lead. Mm -hmm. The work we've done in the past is very much about encouraging girls to follow good, interesting women on things like social media. So we had a Mm -hmm. campaign called Disrupt Your Feed, which basically said- I love that, by the way. (laughs) Of course you love the Kardashians (laughs) or Love Island (laughs) or all of those naughty things. But at the end of the day, you also need to follow women Mm -hmm. like Lady Marianne or somebody from a field that you're really interested in, role models who Mm -hmm. can sort of- show you what is good. So I think my job is really to constantly bring facts, data and stories to the table, which help what is still a largely male infrastructure, bring that evidence to them, which says, It's not that you're purposefully excluding. It's not that you purposely don't understand, but here's a new way of looking at female workforce or what girls are seeing on social media and to put forward interventions that are easy to apply, easy to implement. And that's really the job for the female lead. So Mm. it's a 
charity. It's an educational foundation. We want to get to girls and boys mm-hmm. and help particularly boys see yep. that girls can be just as amazing as all the men who they can name right off their tongue, all the footballers, all the gamers, all the basketball players or cricketers, they can name them 10 at a time. You know what girls say? My role model is my mother or my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that, but I would also like them to say, and four more women that I Mm -hmm. can name. That's my ambition. It's really amazing you said that last week I had a woman on the podcast and she told me that many women don't actually help other women. And I was saying to her, oh, that's interesting you said that. But if I think about it now, and I just want to ask you this question, you know, did you have a lot of women helping you in your career? Not really, no. If I'm honest, no. I grew up in a very male world and... I've thought often because I get asked who were my role models. Now I can tell you all the women I love and admire, including you, and I can list them all. But then I lived in a very, very male world. And I remember when we were working for Tesco, and I mean, I'm a huge admirer of Tesco. I mean, they were a phenomenal partner. But when I was working for them, one of their top, leaders said to me and I just had my young family at the time which we he was blissfully unaware of of course and he said to me well we start this meeting in Chesant or Welland Garden City one or the other at 7 30 in the morning (laughs) and I said well I'm sorry but I won't be there and of course this was before video conferencing yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and he said why and I said because I have children and he was like oh you know, that hasn't entirely disappeared, that mindset of it's slightly embarrassing to bring up that you are a woman and you have duties outside of work. True. For me, that's why I love female lead because I was just watching a video this last week. I mean, the extraordinary women you have on there. I know them. I know most of them. I was just like, so the video is so well made. It's so beautiful. Really congratulations mm-hmm. on that. But I feel you are serving humanity. You're still doing it, right? You, you, know, you are pioneering things and trying to get ahead of time, right? It's really, mm-hmm. it's really beautiful. In my opinion, I think you are doing a service to the United Kingdom, humanity. And I think that's why you've been recognized in the work you do. It's really beautiful. But if you think about it now, everything you've done so far, and I know you want to do more and more and more, what would you say to the youngest Edwina, that passionate young woman who want to do it, but find a job, love the work you do, and really giving us this beautiful content we have, what what would you say to her if you had an advice for her right now? I think I would say when bad things happen to you, when people say bad things to you, Mm -hmm. rise above it. Believe in yourself. Keep going. Keep trying. Do not turn bitter or selfish. Mm -hmm. The pleasure, the joy of doing good and feeling that you've done something that really makes a difference. There's nothing like it in life. Money is wonderful, but it's not a replacement for feeling proud of what you stand for and what you do. And all the way through my journey, people have said, you can't, you won't, you shouldn't. And you just must not listen to those naysayers. You have to keep that belief in yourself Mm -hmm. and keep going and keep trusting that code of discipline and honor within yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I talk about one of the things that moved me the most is I looked at the Japanese culture and Mm -hmm. samurai swords and their culture was very much about the honor that they had mm. for their master, for their leaders. And these samurai swords represented all this code of honor. And mm. I found it utterly fascinating how everything was embodied in those 
samurai swords and that way of life. And I thought, Mm. what is our equivalent now? Mm. What Mm. do we hold on to now? We've we've lost so much religion in the UK. So what do we hold on to? I don't know anymore. No, you are right. For me, that's why I honour women like you, because we don't go there and blow your own trumpet. You actually... I have so much love for you because you done something, you pioneered something, you know, you are helping us and you love data. And we all know that if you don't have the right data, you know, you can't design policies. That's why we're making so many mistakes and leaving so many people behind because we don't have the, all they need to do is just give you a call and say, damn Edwina, come in our office, please help us. And you're going to do it with grace, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> Without but they any don't problem. ask. They don't, they don't ask. ask. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And they make so many mistakes and we leave people behind. And we have millions of people in the United Kingdom right now who, because of data, because of the, the wrong decisions, we are making mistakes. So it's really fascinating for me. That's why I love, for me, you are such an honorable woman. I just love talking to you. The other thing I was going to ask you before we finish your podcast is you are a tech pioneer. What made you become a tech pioneer? How did you decide that you actually, you know what, I'm going to start doing this? So timing is so much a contributor of success. You know, you can have a brilliant idea, but if it's not in its right time, It doesn't fly. It doesn't happen. And you can't punish yourself for that. Timing, you need some luck on your side. It's really important. And I started my career at a time when computing was changing so much. And the power of computers grew and grew and grew. I mean, they were phenomenal. And so the trajectory of my work and career and the amount of data we were able to hold and process and analyze followed the line of computing power as it increased and grew. I mean, my career started before the World Wide Web, guys. So, you know, you can understand... You know, before internet, mm-hmm. long time ago, <laughs> you know, you have to remember, yeah. I mm-hmm. lived through all of that. And so we were able to mm-hmm. all the time get more and more data, do more and more with it. And so we were pushing the innovation right at the edge of the possible. And so mm-hmm. most of my work is about pushing the art of the possible. We pushed the line so that we were using the most data with the maximum level of computer power at the time it arrived. So right in that last moment, we would push the edge, push the art of the possible. And that became our pioneering. We were the first to do so many different things because of that. And that was so much the joy of just being there as computers scaled and scaled and scaled. And suddenly, when we started, people were throwing data away because it was too Mm -hmm. expensive to hold Mm -hmm. and and too complicated. And now, of course, we have huge amounts of data and it's just exponential growth. And data is an asset. It's an asset for us. It's now valued and accredited as something that has, as you say, a Mm -hmm. real tangible financial value. And so that change is what I followed. And I count myself as very lucky. And also you have to be prepared to get things wrong, to make mistakes, to try again, to keep trying. You can't be, you can't be too sensitive in a pioneering environment. No, absolutely. We have a few more questions left for you. One of the things at I Am The Code we do, we teach young women how to code, right? Our goal is to give them the skills they need for to join the global workforce. For example, understanding AI and machine learning, big data, all of this is very important. But what are the key skills you have? Because you are, in my opinion, an extraordinary woman, not only because you have pioneered things, but also you can see where we're going with the data, right? You know, you know that if you don't have the data, then nothing is going to happen, right? So what are the skills you have as a woman in tech and as a tech pioneer? You know, when I was reading the pioneers in the UK, your name came on. I was like, way so amazing. But what are the skills you have? Do you have two or three skills you can share with the girls 
and boys listening to you right now, maybe they can take that and follow through? Well, yes, I like that question very much. I think the main skill I have is I know the questions that businesses want to answer. And now I know from government that there are things that businesses do and have done that government want to follow and understand because using data and applying it to the real world is very much about test and learn. It's very much about what works, what are the common failings. And so businesses and government can learn from each other. So I think the thing that sets me apart to an extent is I know the questions that government wants to ask, that business wants to ask. And you look at the data knowing which questions are important. I think too much data analysis is interesting, but not important. And what one has to focus on is if I can answer this question, what will it change? And is that important? So mm-hmm. that's the thing you have to focus on. What question will make somebody do something different? So the girls should be asking questions, right? They should be aware that you can't just fumble around in data mm-hmm. and go, I've added this column up and this row up and I've come to X and Y. It's like, so what? The hardest bit with data analysis and insight is really thinking, what do I need to know? What data do I need to have to really answer this question? So that when I put it in front of a decision maker, mm-hmm. they can feel confident that I've looked not just at one fact, but I've looked at the adjacent facts. I've brought them all together and I've created a rounded, intelligent answer. Wow. But the other thing I also think the skill you have is patience. You're very meticulous. You take your time. I can see that. I was watching some of the work you've been doing. How did you cultivate this patience, this clarity in taking your time and answering the questions? Where did you cultivate this? Where did it come from? (laughs) Well, it's really interesting because my daughter's the opposite to me. She is really fast. (laughs) I mean, she's really clever. I mean, she did astrophysics and she is... Sometimes she's so fast with something, I feel slow and ponderous by comparison. Mm-hmm. That's the wisdom. That's the wisdom, Edwina. He's <laughs> 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 <It's> being wise. <laughs> I must add wisdom on your portfolio. <laughs> uh, I think it's just how I'm wired. I try and think why someone's asking that question and not just answering it really to the letter of the question. And so I'm often thinking, why does that person ask that question in that way? Do you know what? I think the people who are best at data and insight are the ones who ask the best questions. And so for me, asking questions is probably a fantastic skill and probably one of the best because it takes originality to ask an original question. I do agree. I mean, I took a lot of time to write the questions because I know you are such a smart woman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did a good job. (laughs) So we nearly finished your podcast, but I wanted to, I just wanted to ask you one more question before you talk to the girls and, and just address the young women and girls all across the world listening to you right now. What gives you hope? You are a well-positioned woman in your position and you have influence and power to do whatever you want to do. God bless you. But is it anything that gives you hope right now for people like us, the, the refugee girls we work with? You know, we have small foundations. We're trying to get more women and girls to be uplifted. Do you have any message of hope for, for boys and girls right now? I believe that every girl, every boy, has a story to tell, a message to give, and a contribution to make. And I think I am always excited by the fact that when people bring their original thinking, their original creativity to the party, it can be so powerful. All we have to learn 
is to create a stage for those voices, for those stories, and actually allow people to speak out. And Mm. for me, I have hope because I think particularly, and I am biased, but I think women are good, really good at problem solving. They're really good at collaboration. And they put the greater good before their own ambitions. And I think those things mean that there is a wave that's coming, which will be led by women evening up this platform that men have stood on, not perhaps intentionally by the latest generations, but certainly Mm -hmm. previous generations. If we can get women onto that platform speaking out, I think we will honestly have better decision-making and a fairer, more balanced world. That's my hope. Dem Edwina, June, it's such an honor for me to have you on the I Am The Code podcast, and I can't wait for the girls to listen to you. It's really amazing. Any last word for the girls or anybody listening to you right now? Just believe in yourself and follow women who you feel interested and excited by. I believe you can't be what you can't see. So make sure you see women who've broken through and done some of the things that you passionately want to do. They're there. They're just hidden. Come on to our Female Lead website and we'll look after you. Lovefemalelead.com And we also have live female lead societies, which they can enroll in. And we send all our materials, all our digital everything to the school, all free of charge and sometimes hard copy materials as well. And we'd love if we can to support. So I will make a promise on this podcast. I don't usually do it. Them Edwina Dune. So we're going to have the first maybe girls lead of the refugee camp. Would that be okay with you? I would be honored <laughs> and proud to do that and to start that with you. Okay, great. So I'll follow up on then uh, we will have the first female lead in a Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya because we really want to follow your legacy because you are an amazing woman. Dem Edwina Dune, thank you so much for coming on the I Am The Code podcast. It's such an honor. It is a pleasure and honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll see you very soon. Thank you. I love women pioneers. Edwina is just so amazing. Women inventors, creators. Like I said, women rule the world. We should be having more of them inventing, creating. Women are always creating things that the world needs. And that's why they have their purpose and, and they're doing beautiful work. I love women like her. And we have so many of them actually across the world and including in the UK. So, you know, go on Wikipedia or Google, find out who are the women inventors in the UK or in Africa. And the more you learn from this, you know, hopefully you'll find your way. One of the things that is missing at the moment is finding role models, looking at people we can aspire to be. Edwina is running a charity called Female Lead, where she's really trying to give a platform to women leaders across the world. So I really hope you can go and check her website, her Instagram, her Twitter. It's called The Female Lead. One of the things I've learned this week is that no matter what you are going through as a person, remember the universe has got your back. Remember to do good. Doing good is so important. You may not know it, But you may say, well, who cares? Really important. A small thing every day. Try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Have empathy, compassion, and kindness. You may get people who want to do, who don't like you, or who sabotage you, who don't want to do good for you or by you. But don't worry about them. Just keep focused. Keep focused in what you want to do and how you're going to do it. Because karma is just out there. When you do good, you receive good. I know this for, for sure. For sure, I know that. Be humble. Be helpful to others. My neighbor of 20 years came to give me a hand this week. It was really beautiful for her to come and pass by. She She's really an amazing person. But as I said, when you do good, people will do good by you. So never, never miss the opportunity to helping another person. 
You have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Have a wonderful Friday. Please do not forget to subscribe to the I Am The Code podcast. You know, we need your support. Listen to the podcast. Wherever you're listening to your podcast, please, please, please listen and subscribe to the I Am The Code podcast. We are a very small team at I Am The Code dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring educational content for boys and girls growing across the world who want to do better and be better. Please remember to donate to I Am The Code, the I Am The Code Foundation. If you want to make us your charity of choice, please go ahead. We'll appreciate any support you can give us. Thank you so much for being here. I personally appreciate it, as I said earlier. Have a lovely Friday. Discovering your purpose is a journey. It's not a one-day thing or two-day things. So take your time. There's no pressure. Learn from other people. And I hope that you'll be inspired by Edwina Dunn. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you and goodbye.